Where is Thrawn? You shall wait. He is coming. Hey, welcome back Screen Crush. I'm Ryan Airy, and I want to talk to you guys about Ahsoka Episode 6. Now, I've got some thoughts and a really fun theory about the new Night Troopers that ties in with Merrick. And a little later, I'm going to be joined by Colton Ogburn and Heather Antos to get their thoughts. But first, here's my take. Now, there is a lot to love in this episode, but I think they also dropped the ball at some very key points. First, I'm going to talk about what's awesome. Grand Admiral Thrawn has been one of my favorite Star Wars villains ever since I read this book way back in 1994. Now other Star Wars villains are dark, they're menacing, or gross, but Thrawn is a gentleman. He's a tactician, he's unbeatable, and he has this cool twist where his superpower is using art to deduce an enemy's culture and weaknesses. A pity you do not study art, Agent Callus. There is much it can show you if you know where to look. And for the most part, Thrawn has not disappointed in his live action debut. There's been a lot of hype around this guy. We have been hearing about him for years now. Where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? Grand Admiral Thrawn's return will herald in the reemergence of our military. Involving Thrawn. Grand Admiral Thrawn. He is played by Lars Mikkelsen, who also perfectly voiced the character in Rebels. I will start my operations here and pull the rebels apart piece by piece. I love how Thrawn is just perfectly calm. He is not malicious. You even get the feeling that he is not evil. He's just efficient, which is way scarier. Thrawn reminds me a lot of a quote that I read in a 2003 AV Club interview with Terry Gilliam, director of films like Brazil and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Gilliam said, I remember years ago talking to George Lucas about evil. He thought Darth Vader was evil. And I said, no, he's not evil. He's just the bad guy. You can see him coming a mile away. He wears black. Evil is Michael Palin in Brazil, your best friend, the father of three, a good man who just does what he does. In case you haven't seen the movie, you really should, long story short, but Michael Palin's character ends the film by torturing his best friend just because the government told him to. And that is Thrawn. Now the novels portray him as a good man who is just ruthless in executing what he deems to be justice. And I love the way his night troopers have made him into this cult figure. They have spent about 10 years with him in exile. It's changed their hierarchy. These little flourishes like the broken down arm and Thrawn's ripped uniform give this universe a lived-in feel, and I cannot wait for the inevitable Timothy Zahn tie-in novel. And in our Easter egg video, we talked about the design of Captain Enoch and his biblical inspirations. And I have a theory about Enoch that I cannot wait to tell you guys after my conversation with Colton and Heather. Hey, why are you wearing that headband? Is it 80s night? No one ever tells me when it's 80s night. <laughs> no, Doug, it's not 80s night. I'm gonna go work out after the video. Oh, is that why you're drinking green water? Oh no, this is a lot more than green water. This is my daily dietary supplement called AG1. They're the sponsor of this video. So I've been drinking AG1 for about a year now and it's become a really important part of my daily routine. Well, what's it do? Well, this is what we call a foundational nutrition drink. It is the best way to make sure that you get all the vitamins and minerals that you need throughout the entire day. It has 75 different ingredients, including vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. That's why this is the best nutritional drink that I've ever used for workout recovery. I recover faster and the high magnesium cuts down on muscle soreness. Guys, if you've ever taken a break from working out, then you're starting back. This drink is great for you. And this also gives me the energy to finish my workday strong, but it's not energy like a caffeine rush. Of course I've been up all night. Not because of caffeine, it was insomnia. I couldn't stop thinking about coffee. You see, AG1 contains rhodiola, magnesium, and vitamin B to create sustained energy throughout the entire day, which means I get more done, I'm not working late, and overall, my life is just better. Also guys, this is very easy to use. You have one scoop inside eight ounces of water, shake, 
And that's all you need for the day every day. Now, because this is so easy, it becomes an essential part of your daily routine. No messy blenders, just powder, water, shake, and you're on your way to a healthy day. Say, that is easy. Right? So if you sign up with the link in the description, you get a free one-year supply of the immune-supporting D3 plus K2 and five travel packs with your first purchase. Just click the link in the description to get started on your first purchase of AG1. Now, back to what I was saying. So the old yet new design of cultures continued throughout this episode. I love the way the bandits were inspired by ancient samurai armor, and I love the rock turtles living in the caravan trailer park. But Thrawn's intro was top-notch. The Star Destroyer landing above the tower showed the kind of efficient control that Thrawn is known for. It's also a great visual metaphor for how he has joined himself with the Night Sisters, which I'm going to talk about toward the end of the video. Now, I am so excited to see him be this horrific big bad that comes close to tearing down the New Republic in the Dave Filoni movie. And I also also think this story could set up the sequel trilogy very well. See, Thrawn is going to expose the weaknesses of the New Republic, weaknesses that the First Order will later exploit. What you say? And by the way, everybody, if you like Thrawn as much as I do, I think you would like this Grand Admiral Polo for sale in our merch store at ScreenCrushMerch.com. Now, we design the merch shirts ourselves, and we have a lot of fun doing it. We also have many other Star Wars-inspired tees like High Ground, Say No to Death Sticks, Go Home, Rethink Your Life, Hello There, Somehow Palpatine Returned, Original Trilogy, and introducing this awesome poster or tapestry showing the lineage of Masters and Apprentices. We really are so grateful to all of you for watching the channel. We would not be doing this without your support. I don't think of this as my channel or Doug's channel. This is our channel. If it weren't for all of you, I would be flipping burgers next to the trailer park where I grew up. So buy a shirt, don't buy a shirt. Either way, thank you so much. I love you guys. And by the way, everybody, in case you didn't know, this video is also part of our Screen Crush Rewind podcast, which you can find on all of these platforms. Be sure to find us there for weekly conversations with the best and brightest Star Wars fans that will bother to speak to us on camera. Now, Balin and Shen remain the most interesting part of this show for me. We still don't know exactly what they want or how they classify themselves. Are they Dark Jedi? Are they Knights of Ren? Are they something new? It's a very exciting mystery that I'm looking forward to unfolding over the next couple episodes. But this episode was not perfect. I've got a few minor gripes like, gee, it sure was a coincidence that the space whales just happened to migrate to the Night Sister homeworld and that Thrawn had a Night Sister servant that we never saw before. Maybe it was the Wheel of the Force. That's not how the Force works. Sure, more like the Wheel of the Screenwriter. Also, the idea of introducing, like, a whole other galaxy should have been huge in Star Wars. Like, another galaxy could meet another empire, a mysterious new threat like the Yuzhen Vong from the novels. And after just, like, one episode of this, I don't know why this had to be in some other galaxy. What was the reason? What was the reason? It could have just been another planet that was hard to get to, like Exegol in Rise of Skywalker or Tantalor in Jedi Survivor. But then again, this series could just be the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, dude, you're right. Thanks for keeping me positive. I am a bright star of joy surrounded by a sea of death. Sure, but for me, the real downer of this episode was the introduction of Ezra. Now look, I have mentioned briefly in past videos and on a recent social video why I don't like Ezra very much. If you want to hear my full thoughts on him as a character, that social video is on our TikTok and our Insta, probably our Meow Meow Beans, whatever you kids are watching these days. I don't keep track. I'm too old for this shit. Regardless of how I feel about the character, though, or his place in the saga, like, this is a very important character. He has been built up for this entire show. I think I know how to find Ezra. Commander Ezra Bridger. Ezra Bridger. Ezra, Ezra Bridger. Where's Ezra? And, like, I hate to keep harping on this, guys, but not everyone who watches this show has seen Star Wars Rebels. This show continuously ignores casual Star Wars fans. Instead of making the Star Wars galaxy feel open, it makes it feel like this. I can't sit here. Even in this episode, I think it's the first time the series actually mentions that Ezra was a Jedi. Comes from a breed of Bokan Jedi trained in the wild. 
So we are told all this stuff about him, building him up. And then how do we actually meet him? I knew I could count on you. Look, man, these two like have always had like a cool and casual relationship, but it's been a decade. There should have been tears, an outpouring of emotion. Ezra, we did it. The Empire was defeated. Instead, we got this. It worked, didn't it? It worked. Ugh. Nah. But even then, you have the opportunity to reintroduce this character to a whole new swath of fans who never saw Rebels. Like Ezra's first introduction was perfect. It was him alone looking over a balcony, which echoed the binary sunset dreams of Luke Skywalker, but it also showed that this was an orphan boy who was all alone in the world. His reintroduction should have shown his growth over the years, given us a reason to care about him. Like Sabine could have been in trouble and then Ezra shows up using his ability to talk with animals to save her life. Or he could use the force to guide her toward him like he did in her dreams. In fact, that would have made way more sense because Thrawn essentially says Sabine is useful to him. She'd be of great use to us. And what he means by that is she could help him find Ezra Bridger. So he gives her tracking gear that he just could have used anyways. Tracking gear should not have been effective for finding Ezra. Now I get that like animals bring her to Ezra, but I think it would have been way more effective if it would have been the force because then it would have been Thrawn saying, oh, okay, cool. So we'll let him use the force to pull her toward him and that'll be our trap. I just feel like there was a hundred different ways to show us this guy and this just felt like, oh, hey, yo, what's up? So it just seemed like a waste to me. But this show does have some really intriguing mysteries that I have some theories about. Like, what in the hell is in those Night Sister crypts? And what is the bargain that Thrawn made with the Night Sisters? I am going to talk about that theory in just a bit. But first, I want to talk to IDW group editor Heather Antos and our own Colton Ogburn. And just a reminder, everybody, Colton is the guy who's eternally trapped in the TV, but doesn't know it, so don't tell him. So I want to get into my theories later on. But right now, I am joined by two Star Wars experts. We have our own Colton Ogburn and Heather Antos, who is group editor of licensing at IDW. So Heather, I want to hear from you first. You haven't been on for a while. Uh, you've had, you know, you're obviously a massive Star Wars fan. You edited Star Wars comics. And you were kind of mixed on this show in the first few episodes. Where are you at on this show now? Um, well, considering I was the editor who brought back Thrawn to the comics, uh, I was very excited for this episode when they... Uh, uh, my theory, if you remember, was that they would save Thrawn for the last episode, and they did it. They brought him back now. So I was very uh, delighted that we get him, we got him for this episode. I'm hoping we'll get more of him in the subsequent and remaining episodes for the show. Um, this was, I think, probably my favorite episode of the show this far. Um, we got to see the villain. We got to see Ezra. You know, all the stuff they've been talking about for the last five episodes is finally uh we're finally actually showing us rather than telling us um and that's that was really exciting to see i love the little uh little turtle creatures that we have roaming around and and the design of that i think you know kevin glenn's score is is top notch this episode i think you know um all around it finally feels like the series is going somewhere and heading somewhere and and mm. um coming together in a way that I think uh, it's just felt it's felt very slow up until now you know and and but but if you look back at Boba Fett if you look back at Mandalorian this has kind of been the structure of of these Disney plus Star Wars shows where the first five or so episodes it's a lot of expansive character exploration or world exploration but the story has always been very very slow up until episode six, seven, where everything happens all at once and then we wrap it up in a final episode. And um, so, 
Yeah. Yeah. Matt, Matt Singer, I mentioned this earlier, but you know, Matt Singer had that piece this week where he talked about how Star Wars has really stopped cross cutting between storylines. Mm -hmm. And there was actually a little bit more of that in this episode because we were cutting to, between Sabine, Balin, and Thrawn. But the Ahsoka storyline, all of that, like you said, has been compartmentalized and put in different episodes, which does make the pacing kind of drag. Because, you know, in a show like Andor, most TV shows, you build toward a fever pitch mm -hmm. and then you cut away to the next storyline, which builds to a fever pitch and you alternate one person's up, one person's down, vice versa. It's, it's like basic uh, Robert McKee story screenwriting, but it works. And I think one of the reasons the show's felt so start, stop, start, stop is because of that. Um, Colton, what about you? What did you think about our introductions and the episode as a whole? Well, you know, I can honestly say that I, I've enjoyed every episode of this series, even episode three. I know some people weren't crazy about it, had that short runtime, but uh, mm -hmm. I enjoyed the, the space fights and the getting to see that chemistry between Ahsoka and Sabine. Uh, this episode is probably my favorite of the series so far. I, I think I've said that with every episode. Each episode that has come is my favorite so far. So I'm enjoying it. I loved seeing Thrawn in live action. He's so menacing and just so perfect. I, I loved that. What was that? Like an organ or whatever that, that music was. Uh, that yeah. The original Thrawn. And by the way, Heather, you're right. Kevin Kiner's score. It's so good. Yeah. How does he do it? I mean, you know, you go back and look at his work on The Clone Wars. It was It was good. But starting, I think, with the Bad Batch season two, I was like, oh, my God, this guy is stepping up. And he in the Thrawn organ was uh, like a Philip Glass inspired uh, piece in Rebels. And he carried it on to here. The Thrawn Colton, organ. Sorry. And then I, I was going to say, too, the one that really stood out to me is um, the, the little the, the little turtle creatures. I forgot their their name. Koti? Koti? Koti, yeah. Koti, um, yeah. They had their own little theme, like kind of going on, and and it was so different than anything else we had heard previously. And it was just, yeah, yeah Kevin Kevin Kleiner is like really showcasing his craft here. And I talked about it in the Easter egg video too. But like, you know, Star Wars familiar and new. I grew up in a trailer park, so when I saw where they live, I was like, hey, <laughs> my people, here we are. <laughs> they even had crappy aerial antennas, you know, like. <laughs> You know, where you can get UHF on a rainy day and you can watch Star Trek The Next Generation because it's 1988. Anyways, Colton, I'm sorry we got you No, off. you're We're fine. how much you liked it. No, I yeah, I, I love the introduction of Thrawn. I loved the... I, I think what this show is doing really well is it's focusing on characters. And I, I love the different chemistry and tensions between different characters. You see how much Morgan Elspeth like admires Thrawn, and then you can already the the second they meet, you sense this tension between Balin and Thrawn and Shin mm -hmm. and Thrawn. So just just with that little look that Thrawn gives Balin, and like how he knows him from the Clone Wars and stuff like that, th there is so much story being told j just in that look. So I, I thought that was done really well and you just mentioned the introduction of ezra and him and sabine meeting for the first time in years she lit literally traveled to a different galaxy to find him it was a little anticlimactic when i first watched it i watched the episode again and for some reason it worked more for me that time but i think that's mm -hmm. just because i was expecting it so I, I do think it was a little odd that they didn't like immediately embrace each other when they saw each other. Right. But then again, they've always been kind of coy with one another. So I a guess it, you're right. Yeah. He uh, was a lot younger than her. So she always had this older sister, little brother dynamic with him. I get that. And but the fact that he's like, it worked, didn't it? And she was like, it worked. I guess there's an unstated 
unspoken thing there that like the empire's defeated. Yeah. But what happened? I don't <laughs> think that would be unspoken in that situation. That well, really threw me off. And also like think about how long he's been gone, right? Like how long mm -hmm. he's been away, how long they haven't seen each other, you know, how long it's been since he's seen another human that wasn't Thrawn or one of these stormtroopers or one of the night sisters yeah. or you know whatever. And it was just like very chill. And who knows? Like maybe yeah. through the force they were sensing each other, you know, like it's possible that he knew as, as soon as she arrived that that she was there through the force, whatever. And you can explain it away in a, in a lot of That's not how the force works. You know, but the, 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 <laughs> the, for, the rules of the force don't seem to matter a lot of times in these shows. So There are no rules. Um, I, I think it's but, been about but, 10 years, right? I, I think so. They, yeah, right. Okay. I, and so right. I think, you know, and on just a general storytelling, um, you know, for the audience to care, the, the characters have to care, right? And mm -hmm. and it just felt very nonchalant, casual, I see you every day of the week type thing that, you know, everyone's searching for this character, finding this character is supposed to be a big deal. And then we finally see this character and it isn't a big deal in that moment. Um, yeah. That, well, that just and, kind of fell short for me. And but you know what? One thing I didn't talk about earlier is how much I love the world building of Balin and Shin Hati. Like just how Balin calls him a, a Boken Jedi, you know, a wooden sword Jedi, not a real one, a wild one. That little tiny shading and world building really makes Star Wars sing for me. Yeah, and one of the things that I do feel like is missing between uh, with the relationship between Ezra and Thrawn and their time on this planet, like you said, it's been like ten years. I, I doubt we're going to get to go back and see that, but I do feel like that's a big missing piece that I would like to see. Like, what happened after that Star Destroyer wound up on Peridia, and mm -hmm. there they are together. You know, if, if they don't show it in this show, I'd like to see it in like a, um, what's that show? Uh, Tales of the Jedi. I think yeah. that'd be really cool to get to see that chemistry between Thrawn and Ezra. Um, Heather, what about you? As far as like... Um the way Thrawn was portrayed, because I know Thrawn's your boy, right? Yeah. One thing I love about Thrawn and the novels, uh, the, the legends and the six new ones, he's not a villain. He's never, he respects life. He does what's necessary. He regrets loss of life. He simply is very pragmatic. Rebels portrayed him a little more villainous, but in this show, I thought we got a Thrawn that was a lot more like the novels and the comics. What do you think, Heather? I loved it. I think... I, I love the direction. I love the portrayal that Lars did. I love how um, how controlled, how uh, intentional his his movements and, and choices were. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada, right? It's very quiet. And it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when in fact, you're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room. Very purposeful. Damn, and so that's you, great. And so you pay attention, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Thumbnail. You don't, you don't need to be the loudest uh, voice in the room um, to garner respect or or um, attention. And I, and I love that about him. It, it makes it so you have to pay attention to him. It makes it so, you know, viewers, I think, who don't know who Thrawn is, are expecting this like you know Darth Vader or big monstrous scary guy mm -hmm. and it's just a blue guy in a white suit right like what's mm -hmm. so scary about kind him? of a middle-aged frumpy guy yeah. in a white suit. yeah um yeah, yeah. 
and mm. but you get you get to you get a taste of of the Thrawn we know that is to come, and I'm so excited to see when he he you know lets Sabine go, gives her her weapons. Mm-hmm. You did your part of the deal. You're fine. Be free now. Just be back before we leave. Yada yada yada, and then okay, wait five minutes, and then you guys get to go and kill them. Right? Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 there's a little game to it you know there's there's something but it's but it's tactful he's doing it with a reason he wants the loose threads all all tied up and ezra is still a problem he's been a problem for him in the past and he wants Mm -hmm. him gone too and so i think we're getting a taste of of thrawn and and i'm just i'm so excited i cannot wait to see where where they go either in the show or the film yeah and you know in the novels thrawn always has this teacher aspect you know he doesn't He'll, he, he sees patterns no one else does, yep. and instead of like gloating and hoarding that o- and holding that over people, he always says, like with Eli Vanto especially, "What do you see?" Mm-hmm. He's always trying to bring people up to his level, um, and there's an aspect of that. What you said about he doesn't have to be the loudest person in the room. When I was a teacher, I found out that uh, like in classrooms and stuff, um, I found out the best way to get the class's attention was never to be the loudest person; it was to be yep. the quietest. Um, so, looking forward to the future. One thing I've loved about this show is all the beautiful theories that we can come up with. Screen Crush has done a good job with some of them. We were like, hey, you know, like uh, the whales are probably uh, going to Peridia and that's how they're going to get there. Yay, we did that. Some of them like Merrick as Ezra. We didn't quite nail. But theory crafting on this this show is so much fun. Uh, And I wanted to talk to you guys. Like, what do you think? I've got some theories I'm going to talk about later on. But what do you think? Like, what's your hot theory coming out of this episode, Colton? Well, to speak on that for a second... that that is one of the things I love so much about this show is it's it's so bold and it's it's showing us that Filoni is willing to do things that I, I never thought they would have done in live action Star Wars and with him showing that he's willing to do those things it makes the theories all the more fun because the possibilities really become endless because there's really no theory that you could throw out there that anybody would say, oh, Filoni wouldn't do that. Yeah, he would. So, like, <laughs> it, it makes the theories all the more fun. Um, I think that speaking of Thrawn and how he is not your traditional villain, that's one of the key things that has always made Thrawn more successful than, like, a Mwahaha villain. And I think that his resentment for Ezra for trapping him there all those years, and this is my theory, is that his vengeance, which is not normally in his style, I think that could come back to haunt Thrawn. And mm. instead of him just letting it go, he's he's sending uh, Shen and Balin to go kill Ezra and he he wants that revenge instead of just packing his stuff and getting the hell out of there and getting back to the galaxy I I think that we could see perhaps uh, the uh, Eye of Scion that is going to take them that's his ticket back to the main galaxy I think that his concentration on getting revenge on Ezra and destroying his enemies and stuff like that I think that that could be what leads him down a path of his ticket home getting destroyed. And then, yeah, maybe in the movie we'll get to see, we may not see them, you know, even get back to the main galaxy in this series. I wouldn't be surprised if they get stranded maybe in this other galaxy come the season finale and the movie picks up in this other galaxy. So 
I guess really my theory is is that the possibilities are endless, really. I actually think it might be better for Star Wars if Dave Filoni just had his own galaxy to play in. Because so much of what he's done with Rebels and other things, I think if, doesn't, if it doesn't outright contradict like canon things or canon assumptions, then it, at least a lot of what he's added weakens it. Um, Heather, what about you? What's, what's your hot theory, hot takeaway from uh, the show right now? Yeah, I know. I mean, previously you and uh, we discussed, I think you and I have some very similar theories of what's to come. Um, but uh, just as us speaking um, in, in this talkback and thinking about all the other characters at play, right? Someone's got to die, right? There's always a big death in one of these shows, usually. Um, and my question has, has been, like, who who is it who doesn't make it out of this, this show alive? Um, I'm wondering, is it possibly uh, Balin or Shin? Is it one of them? I could definitely see, you know, because Balin doesn't trust the strong guy. We can tell that. And, you know, he's really into these legends, these stories, and he wants a different future than Thrawn wants. He's said just as much, right? And so... Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, does something happen between Balin and Thrawn? Um, you know, I I think Thrawn's line that he threw where he was like, oh, you're, you know, I know of you from when you were in the Jedi. I know in your Clone Wars rankings, I know this. Like, that shows, one, just Thrawn knows his shit. And, um, but I also wonder, you know, if there's, if that's alluding to something more that's going to happen between those two characters. I think you're right. And yesterday we posted a great video that Colton wrote actually about uh, Balin and about Shen Hati and uh, what Balin wants and what's this mysterious force he kind of feels on the planet. Colton, you were just about to say? I, I've, I've got a theory I wanted to tack on to what Heather said. I, uh-huh. I think Shen is definitely going to join Sabine and Ahsoka and Ezra and become a good guy. I, I think the writing is on the wall for that. You see that mm-hmm. in how uh, Shin reacts when Thrawn says that we're going to send, uh, we're, I'm going to send you to go kill Sabine, even though I pretended like that wasn't going to be the case. She seemed like offended by that. Mm-hmm. And even though Shin and Sabine have had, you know, these two fights now, we're, <laughs> she seemed like really like she wanted to kill Sabine. And I think that's the dark side kind of talking to her because later, like when they're on that ship together on the way to the other galaxy, I don't know. I felt like a, like a chemistry between the two characters and like, I, I can feel the light side kind of pulling Shin. And I think we could mm-hmm. see maybe Thrawn kill Balin or something like that. And that's what sends Shin over the edge to end up joining Ahsoka and Sabine and Ezra and their mission to take on Thrawn. I definitely think she's the character that gets out alive. Mm-hmm. I think that she's yeah. somebody who, um, you know, Filoni likes his immortal Padawans, um, who just can <laughs> never seem to die, I guess. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you guys about my theory, which involves the Crips and the Stormtroopers and what the hell Thrawn is bringing to the new galaxy. Uh, Colton, Heather, thanks both of you for joining me. If any of you guys want to follow them, their social media links are below. So here's where I think this show is going. Thrawn says, You shall begin the cargo transfer as per my agreement with the Great Mothers. And Morgan follows by saying, I have seen the catacombs. It will take some time. And she also says that this will take three rotations, so three days to empty the catacombs. And I don't think they were storing Melu runs down there. Catacombs are where you keep dead bodies. And later in the episode, we do see stormtroopers unloading what look like floating coffins. It's also interesting that when the mothers tell Thrawn they have brought a prisoner, he says, 
You never spoke of this. And their reply, we did not see it. So this is probably telling us what the Night Sisters are giving Thrawn. As we saw in the Clone Wars, the Night Sisters have the third sight, the ability to see the future. Now Thrawn ends the episode by saying, I shall once again require the aid of your dark magic. Oh my God, that's going to be so good. So we have seen the dark magic of the Night Sisters in the Clone Wars and in Rebels and Fallen Order. They have a few different powers, like the ability to see the future and the ability to use dark magic to kind of augment the strength of people, like they did this for Savage Opress, Darth Maul's brother. And we saw them use dark magic to restore Darth Maul's mind. But the most impressive power of the Night Sisters is to reanimate the dead and to return to the living realm as spirits. In Rebels, we saw the dead spirit of Mother Talzin full on possess Sabine Wren. And in the game Fallen Order, you have to fight these like reanimated Night Sisters and Zabrax. So it's clear what the Night Sisters are giving Thrawn. They are giving him knowledge of the future. So what is he giving them in return? What do the Night Sisters want? Their Dathomir kingdom is in shambles. And back in the main galaxy, the Night Sisters of Dathomir have been wiped out by Count Dooku and his droids. So like there are very few of them left. The Night Sisters want to live again. This could be why Morgan says that it would take three rotations, three days, as in how long Christ was in his tomb before he was resurrected. See, now that the galaxy is without Jedi or Sith, the Night Sisters want to fill that vacuum as the preeminent Force users of the galaxy. So I think that these bodies are going to be brought to Dathomir to be resurrected and create an army of the undead, similar to the Dead Men of Dunbarrow army from Return of the Kink. And this all goes back to Merrick. Now we had a lot of fun speculating on who Merrick could be, and people were disappointed when he was just like green mist. But that moment actually totally foreshadows the Dave Filoni movie. Merrick was a dead Sith Inquisitor that Morgan Ellsbury reanimated, laying the groundwork for these Night Sisters to reanimate thousands of their people on the altars of planet Dathomir. And this could also lead to my dream happening, which is a resurrected Darth Maul leading these armies in battle. Now, some people have even theorized that the stormtroopers in this episode are undead and they were resurrected by the Night Sisters. And that's why they wear these cloths and why they're nicknamed Night Troopers. Now that could be, that would be cool. But I think this was just a really cool design choice to show how Thrawn is tied closely with the Night Sisters. And it also makes total sense that Thrawn would ally himself with Force users. Now, he doesn't think much of the Jedi. But for all those abilities, all the power, the Jedi lacked the vision for how to wield it. But his people, the Chiss, used Force-sensitive navigators called Skywalkers to navigate the unknown regions. So Thrawn is accustomed to using Force-sensitive people to accomplish his goals. Now, I think it's very telling that the person who's escorting the dead to the ship is called Captain Enoch. In the Bible, Enoch was a prophet who was, suddenly went to heaven without dying. So popular interpretation is that Enoch defied death. So it would make sense if this trooper did die and then was resurrected, and now he is escorting dead Night Sisters to the land of the living. So I think that Thrawn Thrawn's plan is to use the Night Sister's third sight to anticipate the New Republic's moves so he can neutralize any threat caused by Luke Skywalker and the Jedi. In other words, we're going to finally get the story of the sequel trilogy that we always wanted instead of this. Somehow Palpatine returned. And buy our Palpatine Return t-shirt at our merch store. You see, Thrawn wants to create a new empire, a stronger empire, which uses Night Sister magic. And then this new empire would ultimately return to the unknown regions where he is from to aid his people the Chiss against the species that is threatening them. But that's a story for a whole other video. What did you guys think of our theory? What do you think about this episode? Let us know your thoughts down in the comments below or at me on Twitter. And if it's your first time here, please subscribe, smash that bell for alerts. For Screen Crush, I'm Ryan Airy.